There is nothing noble in being superior to your fellow men. True nobility lies in being superior to your former self. Ernest Hemingway. Nice. You guys, you are tuned in to another episode of Eat With Her, Don't Compete With Her. And it's your girl, Patty. And it's your girl, Jazz. Yo, this is Ted. Hey, Ted. Ted What's up, y'all? Cue the, um, cue the claps. <laughs> Before we get into this episode, make sure you head over to our Facebook page. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Share our content. Whether you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or in our closed Facebook page on Facebook, you know, um, share our content. We show us some love, okay? Don't forget. Um, but yes, tell us what we're talking about today. So before we get into today's episode, we can't. Uh, if you guys been listening for the last couple of seconds, you've heard uh, some male energy up in the, um, the room. You've heard some some deepness. No, Patty doesn't have a cold. I don't. Okay. I wish she did, but she oh. doesn't. <laughs> but she doesn't. Um, that's actually we have a male in the room today. So now we are introducing the one, the only Ted. Hey y'all, how y'all doing? Hi Ted. Definitely like the energy. Thank you for having me. Of course, of Absolutely. course, of course. This is my good brother Ted. He got a lot of great content that he's going to be sharing with us today. He's just another member of our open conversation. Absolutely. And that's all we do here is we talk our stuff and we let other people talk too. Right. We share our energy. What we call this again? A potluck. And one thing I do want to point out, guys, is that like we're not just having nobody on just to have them on. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like, Ted is like a faithful listener of the podcast. Like, yo, I'd be like... You listen, you know what I'm saying? Do. He'd be like uh, coming like, you know, like, yo, that last one you did. I was like, you listen to that? Yeah. <laughs> right on my drive to work. I know that's right, you know? So we definitely appreciate you being here and your support and everything you do to help us, you know what I'm saying? No, I, d- I definitely think your content is good. Um, I definitely like the energy that you guys present and the topics that you guys discuss are definitely relevant. Um, and a lot of people can relate to it, especially myself. And I even got Claudia listening to it, too. Hey, uh-huh. <laughs> shout out to Miss Claudia with her beautiful self. <laughs> you know? And, and and just like I said, we don't just have just anybody on. Like, Ted is definitely a, a, a successful black man in these streets, in these businesses, you know? And, you know, Jazz, tell us a little bit of something about Ted. No, Ted going to do that. Oh, Ted going to Ted. Ted going, y'all going to get to know Ted from the beginning. So well, y'all don't get to the end. Like, who, who that is again? That was not him? to brag or boast, but just in in a humble way, um, I am currently working at Willow Glen Academy um, as an assistant director. So what we do at Willow Glen is we help adults with developmental disabilities and youth as well. Um, I'm also a member of Cap Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, which is the greatest frat on earth, oh, I mean, okay. I mean, we're all part of D9, you know, the other frats don't matter, but, <laughs> you know, not to be petty, but, you know, frats so nice, they named us twice, K, Sci-Fi, New Pi. Um, right. So I'm also a member of that. And I'm looking to eventually go back and get my doctorate and PhD and mm-hmm. all that other stuff. I'm working on my licensing exam um, mm-hmm. in mental health counseling, so I'll be taking my national counselor exam in October. Nice. Um, and I really haven't decided wholeheartedly or truthfully what it is specifically. And I think maybe I'm running or I'm not just being obedient to God, but, you know, God is not through with me yet. So All right, awesome. man. Just got to awesome. be patient with myself and I'll just just allow him to just take the take the wheel because sometimes I don't know if I'm coming or going some days. Honey, welcome to the club. Okay. <laughs> Honey, <laughs> if my neck wasn't attached to my head, my head would be in somewhere else and this part of me would be somewhere else. So... We all got that same story, you know what I'm saying? Just on a different day. Facts. So before we get into anything, tell us a little bit about, I guess um, people may say, the interesting component of you or unique component of you, being that you're from from a a fraternity and you've been able to dive a little bit into that lifestyle. What, um, in your opinion, do people think they know what do people know 
and what are complete and other myths about it? Um, you know what? In, in all honesty, I feel like nowadays um, people are infatuated with the term with, with wearing with wearing lettuce. So with mm-hmm. wearing, you know, K side, crochet chest or mega sci-fi or alpha phi alpha or, or um, sigma. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are in love with the idea of being a part of a fraternity. And I think I found that a lot of people join fraternities for the wrong reasons, Um, whether it's to party, whether it's to get girls, whether it's for clout, whatever it is. But the true meaning of the organization is not that. Um, If you learn the history of the D9 organizations um, or or particular frats, you will understand the history of what the founders went through in order to get it established. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, my fraternity, Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, was founded January 5th, 1911. Um, in Indiana, so in, in, there really was no black people in Indiana, and on top mm-hmm. of that, you have to you have to wrap your mind around this: is that you have African American men mm-hmm. attending college, right? Mm-hmm. Um, back in back in the slavery areas. So, right. having accomplished that, there was no social clubs for African Americans, so we had to start our own, and that's how Kappa got started. Um, but I was exposed to Kappa at a young age, um, at the age of six, because my uncle is a Kappa as well. He's pledged in. 1982. Oh, okay. So I was exposed at a young age, and it wasn't until I went to college that I got that exposure, right. mm-hmm. and I really started learning more about it. Um, but as far as other people, I get, again, like I said, I think people just do it for clout, and they really don't understand the meaning of, of behind uh, behind of being in a fraternity. So the meaning for me is being in a fraternity is about brotherhood, mm-hmm. um, just the same as being in a sorority is about sisterhood. Mm-hmm. It's, that's what it's supposed to be about. However. Um, you have some people that don't make it about that because mm-hmm. everyone has their own motive as to why they join, why they are part of the org that they they chose, and and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my question to you guys is: Have you ever been exposed to sororities, or it was ever an interest of yours? I mean, for me, like you know, you see, like you have friends that are like you know a part of like sororities and stuff like that, but. You know, when I thought about fraternities, also like you know, was the, the closest thing I got to it was somebody yard. Yard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that, that's common. So you know, <laughs> a lot of people like so. This what y'all do? Like yeah, you know what I'm saying? They were like, nah, it's like totally different. Like we got a lot of community service things, you know. And I think it, there's a lot of uh, stigmatism attached to fraternities. Uh, like you know, I was um, telling with my friends that uh, I was in White Castle one day, and it was a guy. He had just became a Q. And he had it branded on his arm. And I was like, and it was like in the stages of healing. So I was like, I was um, intrigued. I was like, yo, like, what is that? He was like, oh, I just crossed over, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, so you got branded? He was like, no, it's not like a requirement. Like, some people just want to do it. He was like, but like, yo, they was slapping my arm, like, as soon as it got done. I'm like, yo, that's like torture. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, but I mean, but it just showed like how people are so dedicated and, how like in in and even um in the years like following that you know you see um how like I said a lot of people are involved in communities like they have like um affiliations all over across the board yeah. you know and how it's not just about like the the girls and the parties and the drinking mm-hmm. and stuff like that it's really like like you said like a brotherhood and a sisterhood is actually doing things to help each other out you know what about you Miss Louise well. In William Patterson, I feel like I was exposed to fraternities and sororities, but prior to that, I was exposed to one in particular, and that was the one that I had the most interest in. However, I didn't realize that I was getting like an invitation either. Um, This particular sorority was not on campus at the time, and somebody came up to me and they said, you know, you know, we're trying to come back on William Patterson campus. You know, would you be interested? And I straight told them like, nah. And I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know it was an invitation, but I was just like, nah, uh, I'm, I'm good on that. Oh, good on that. Now, mm-hmm. mind you, their people was giving me a scholarship that, that day. Like I just, I, I didn't realize what was going on. I just thought, you know, we was having small talk or whatever. And I just said, nah, um, I had a couple of different encounters and somebody later on told me like, yo, that was like an invitation like yeah and I was like ah oh, awkward you know? <laughs> <laughs> so but I had a couple experiences um one of them I remember being in the calf one day and like this girl I knew this girl or whatever and she was online like you know the crepes and stuff Ted we go get your crepes she was online with like this jacket on and I ain't I ain't think nothing of it but I smacked her like 
Yo, what's up? And like, sus turned around forward, like almost army style forward marching with her tray and kept marching on. I was like, oh, sus really feeling herself like she couldn't speak. But I didn't know. She couldn't and speak like, for she real. Couldn't, couldn't. Like, and I was like, oh, oh it, was, it was crazy. But I didn't realize it at the time. And I'm like, dang, she must really be hungry. Like, this is crazy. But I didn't realize what was going on. Later on, I um worked at one of the offices on campus, and this guy was beasting. I mean, beasting to be a cute. Now, mind you, mm. we wasn't getting paid. Like, we wasn't getting paid like that. You feel mm-hmm. me? So I'm sitting here like, yo, I know that junk costs a couple of dollars. Like, where you going to get this money from? <laughs> That's what I'm telling them. Like, where you going to get this money? Like, my people, they, they know I want to do this. They know I want to do this for a long time. He wasn't that popular. And I feel mm-hmm. like he got clout like a mug afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, he got mm-hmm. super clout. So what happened was he, he going on or whatever, and I see him. You could see the shift in when he's mm-hmm. crossing over because, like, he's sitting down. He barely sitting down because his mm-hmm. discomfort, like, all of the different stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, some of the myths and stuff had become certain truths to them. I saw him cross over. I saw him do his, um, his, his yes, his probate or whatever the case may be. But he, I mean, you see him now, you like, yo, you was a nerd nerd. Like, you was really mm-hmm. not, like, you you done blown <laughs> up, bro. <laughs> like, this was it, um, what it used to be or whatever. But I think that, um... I I wanted to join, but I never wanted it enough to actually do it. And mm-hmm. I never had the money nor nobody around me to be like, yo, um, we want you to, this is so important mm-hmm. that we're going to support you do it. Never. I think that if I would have did something like that, it would have been all me. And I would have had to have, like Ted said, exposure from such a young age and wanted it because otherwise I, I barely had money to, to, yeah. to get to the lunch, like, let alone, you know what I'm <laughs> saying, do something like that. So yeah. um, I, I definitely got that. So interesting that you said, Ted, that it's like a brotherhood and a sisterhood. And the reason why I say that is because I was watching something recently, and I think it was, it was Killer Mike. Killer Mike has this documentary on Netflix. Okay. And one part of the documentary, he was trying to get gang members, Crips, Bloods, uh to be entrepreneurs. And one of the gangs that he was, he was associating with was the Crips. Okay. And he went to the Crips. He said, look, yeah, I ever thought about, you know, going legit, blah, blah, blah. And what he did was they tried to create uh, what they call Crip Cola. So get a soda, create it, and then market it and put it out there. Okay. Now what they said was, look, we more like a fraternity. That's how they branded themselves because people, they did a focus group. They was like, no, I ain't drinking. A lot of white people was like, I'm not drinking no, um, no Crip Cola. I could get shot for that, whatever, whatever. Like, and so they were in the back and it came out and they was like, look, it's not like that. We are. Now, mind you, all these white people look like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm about to die. You know, <laughs> it's over for me. You know, um, but they ended up telling them like they feel like they're more like a fraternity. Mm-hmm. Now, how... Would you, what kind of conversation would you and your brothers have to somebody having that kind of conversation and associating themselves with what you guys know you are? Right. And I think that's the thing because that's not a fraternity. And I think people have the meaning of fraternity misconstrued. Mm -hmm. So Kappa Alpha Psi is a a social organization. Mm -hmm. We're known as a social frat. You have some some frats that are social. You have some that are business-like. It depends. Mm -hmm. It's it's, um, categorized. However, I think a lot of times, because people don't understand the meaning of something, they automatically think that it's a game. So mm-hmm. you see me with my line jacket on and see right. me and 10 other black African-American men with the same jacket on. It's like, oh, are they a gang? Are they a cult? Mm-hmm. But if you would have a conversation and would see the work that we actually do and right. the work that we've done, because we've been around for 100 plus years, mm-hmm. you will see, you know, wow, they, they're, they're not. But again, when we don't know our history, it right. makes us mm-hmm. ignorant. Right. Um, so that, that, I mean, uh, even, um, people that are not in a fraternity or people that's in my family, like, oh, you guys are just an organized gang. And it's like, no, we're not that. Mm-hmm. And I think things over the years have changed mm-hmm. because people, you know, don't understand the meaning or they have their own intentions, mm-hmm. but we're, we're far from a gang. We're not mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. killing people. Right. We're not out there yeah. shooting people. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, each org has colors associated with it so yes right. i could see the similarity mm-hmm. but it's right i think that the the whole like 
um, comparing it to a gang thing came from like when people hear about the hazing that goes on and the things that happens, right. you know, behind closed doors, you know. So it's like, um, you say you're not a gang, you do community service, but like this man can't even sit down. Like, what is y'all right, doing? Right, y'all got right, him right, doing right. y'all laundry, like right, all this right. crazy things, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, that people do to get in mm-hmm. to these things. And it's kind of like, um, like in order to be like in these uh, gangs in the street, like you got to get jumped in, or you know what I'm saying? It's like, mm. you know, so I guess that's why it was so easy to. Um, like compare it to you know, Bloods and Crips, but y'all ain't out here killing people. You know what I'm saying? Like right. you do all that, you know, you do a little work or whatever to get in, but you reap so many benefits of it. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you are brothers with lawyers and judges and mm-hmm. and doctors and stuff, and like you know, it <clears throat> changes the perspective of you if you come in and like, yo, I'm a I'm a capper. You cap like, oh, I don't yeah. right? So you know, I, I I wouldn't compare it to. You know, gangs, but because of like, you know, the, I guess the the history mm-hmm. yeah. of how things had transpired for people to get into the fraternities, it kind of put like a sour taste in people's mouths. But mm-hmm. I'm glad that you're here to clarify. Like, yeah. So uh, another thing when it comes to that, so one of the things that immediately pops out to me is, let's close your eyes and just picture 105 years ago in Indiana, mm-hmm. a predominantly mm-hmm. white campus mm-hmm. no social club for african-american men mm-hmm. so getting this organization started you have people that were spat on mm-hmm. hung mm-hmm. belittled right, right, right. right all of these things mm-hmm. that they've gone through to get the organization started and we're right. still here right 106 years later right mm-hmm. but you know right. they had to go through something to get it started right, right. and you know I, I think that's where the confusion comes in that mm-hmm. um, as far as the hazing piece and, and all of that, um, I can say this is that no organization should change you. Mm-hmm. You right. are going to change, but my concept is if you was whack before you got letters, mm-hmm. you're just a whack person with letters. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of times when people get that jacket or mm-hmm. they, they have that probate, right. you know, mm-hmm. say chest. with your chest, right. your chest get a little puffed <laughs> out. But at the same time, as a man, you could get washed just like anybody mm-hmm. else. Right, like, right. Let's be real. Yeah. You know, so I think people, first you have to know yourself first. Right, absolutely. Be comfortable with who you are. And then um, some people join younger. I joined when I was older. Mm-hmm. And you know, the crazy thing is like, it's, it's very funny that you said, um, you know, you have to know yourself first. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of times people go into these organizations not knowing who they are. You know, and they look for these organizations to define who they are. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes a conflict when they really decide to be who they are. And it's like, wait, this is not who you presented to us. Like, you know what I'm saying? So what was, like, before um, the fraternity and stuff like that, like, what did you consider, like, uh, how did you put it, Jazz? Before before you say that, because I I want to say something about something you were saying, Ted, you always mentioned black men. And we, first of all, on here, we praise black men. Oh, yes, we do. But what did the brotherhood that you joined do for you as a black man and do for you kind of understanding your role in other black men's lives? Mm. Wow. That's, that's, I like that. So, as far, to answer to your first question is, I feel like, I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. I'm still growing. Um, I went over in 2013, so six years ago I went over, and the simple fact that my dad didn't really play a, a strong presence in my life, not mm-hmm. until I grew, actually until I got into my 30s. My, like, my dad and I just started like getting cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so being, for me, just being around other men, and that's how I grew up. Mm-hmm. I had other men teaching me how to do things. I had, my pastor showed me how to tie a tie. Mm-hmm. My cousin showed me how to drive, like, Right. Anything like those first that you want your dad there for, right. I learned from other men. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I'm still learning to this day, even being married myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but just being a part of, of that organization, being a part of the organization really gave me exposure to what I saw outside of Patterson. Mm-hmm. You know, you could see so, like when you when seeing something different really right. helped me. And also working with young men and being a mentor and in, in, in um, tutor to young men, it's just like, as I'm taught, I have to teach as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And it keeps going. 
Um, so it's just like a, it's like a cycle. It's just like I'm, I'm not learning all of this information, or I'm not being exposed to all of these things just to keep it to myself. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I have to spread the love. So, Miss Jazz, since you asked me the question, um, and of course, Patty, you know you're gonna get this question too. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jazz, for you, what is your definition of a, of a of a strong black man, or what was your exposure like, or how do you see black men? Well. I felt more like what you were saying, like um, if me and my father is going to have a great relationship, it hasn't happened yet. Like <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet. Okay. Um, so my life, but the idea was, I feel like as a child, I saw men, but I didn't identify them as black men, which is a special breed of individuals with talents and strength and masculinity that is unmatched by any other race. But I don't I'm not sure when I um I think that getting in a relationship made me identify the difference between the special and uniqueness and peculiarity of a black man and all the other men. And getting in a relationship kind of helped me to kind of identify that because as growing up it was just like here is your father. He's not doing everything right. And are you going to, because as a, I think as a little girl, you either accept it or completely reject it. And he wasn't doing everything right. But I think that I held on to the couple of right things he did. And at some point in life, I worshiped him. Mm. It was like, you went to the park, he took you to the park one time, but it was like everything. Like he got tired of you within the time frame, mm. but you don't remember none of that. Mm-hmm. Worship them, worship, worship them. And I think that something happened, something occurred where I realized he wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. And then he was like not good either. Like he wasn't, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, it's one thing for somebody to not be perfect, but then it was like, oh, you, oh, you not even taking, I'm not even living with you. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Like just stuff like that that really begin to grow you up quicker. And then that identity of a man for me came through him, but I was never living with him really. But I always look to him because you are my dad. So mm-hmm. I don't care what man I'm around. None mm-hmm. of that other stuff matters. So then when you let go of the ideal of the imperfect man that you call dad, you begin to look at these other men. Wow. So what I did was I bit I bits and pieced it. Mm-hmm. Like, homie over here, you got a great sense of um, identity about yourself. Um... Sir, over here, you know how to take care of your kids well. Sir, over here. So I begin to like take little pieces because what I understood later on was that he wasn't who I wanted to be with. He wasn't the man that I needed to um, idealize my life partner against. Like, I can't do that. So being that I can't, I need something. But I wasn't looking for a life partner either. You understand what I'm saying? So a lot of these different components for me helped me to bits and piece things together and I think that to the second part about my role in the black man's life I think that black men are complex and not in a negative way that if you understand that a person is complex you approach them in that way mm-hmm. you 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 identify mm-hmm. like look you know sis gonna wear all black every day so you don't need to if you know she's going to wear all black and she wants you to match with she, she don't got to tell you what she got on. You mm-hmm. know she's going to wear up. It's, compl- it's complexities about people. But we go into an all black affair. Mm-hmm. We don't have to make it out to be something that it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be because that complexity fits into some areas. Mm-hmm. And the complexities of a black man fit into so many areas. But I think that sometimes as women, we don't understand or know how to humble ourselves to those areas. Mm-hmm. Because we've been taught by X amount of uh, strong women. You know what I'm saying? We've been taught by uh, teachers who ain't never had a man and she was super rich, mm-hmm. right? Or this person over here who, you know what I'm saying? So we've seen so many things mm-hmm. in um, the form of a woman that made her strength look like she ain't need, she ain't want, she ain't. But the reality of it is, is you did have a role in his life, whoever he may be, but you weren't able to submit yourself to that because your identity of submission looked too meek. Mm-hmm. It looked too weak. It looked too too Submissive. lowly. Yeah, mm-hmm. it looked too lowly. So 
I think that there's a lot of different, like we could talk about this forever. Wow. Like there's a lot of different components of the black man that I know I'm still learning, but I also feel like when I learn them, I don't put them away to the side or shelve them. Like I, you know it now, hold yourself accountable to the thing that you know and work in that. You know what I'm saying? Work in that. Turn that, turn that until that soil you gets good and then it's ready to grow up. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Cause you get mature and wise in that thing. But and you know, somebody look at somebody who's 20 and be like, how you got all this wisdom? Because they took the thing that they knew mm-hmm. and they took the time to master that before they moved on to something else. And they mastered that, then putting, you know, so on and so forth. So for me, I think that the complexities of a black man help me to identify and see where I sit at the table and I don't have to be at the head and I'm fine with that. I, yeah. I like the complexity. I like the complexity piece and just a, a brief point. It made me think of the scripture train up a child in the way he should go. And he's old. He should not depart from it. Mm-hmm. But just hearing you say that, it's just like, well, what if you was trained wrong? That, yeah, right. that's true. Absolutely. What if he was trained wrong? Mm-hmm. Right. Or what if he was trained right? Or what if he was trained by a mama? Mm-hmm. Right, right, or right. You, was tra- you know, there's some single father. So I think it's so many different component- components, and that's what makes us complex because, mm-hmm. you know, each person's background is different. Each person was raised different. Mm-hmm. Each one has different values and mm-hmm. beliefs. Absolutely. Um, I think for me, like, my father um, never, um, how can I say this? He never was too manly of a man to not wash dishes but he was never too like okay so let me just put it like this my dad is the best provider I've ever met in my life you know what I'm saying and I've seen um my dad is first of all a pastor he was a drill sergeant army for 21 years he you know what I'm saying like it's just like so many components to him but when it came to him raising us um and having all girls you know um he showed us that a man is just not a person that tells you what to do and just like, you know what I'm saying? It's just like just like the head of the household is not always the one that has to tell you, like, I'm the head of the household. They show you that. One and, dimensional. Huh? It's like one dimensional. Right. My father um, would make bottles. My father would. My mother has never went grocery shopping. My father did all that. Like all the things that were that are genderified genderified to a female, like what a female should do in a household, my father never placed my mother in that category. He said, because we're a team. You right. know what I'm saying? I know how to wash dishes. I know, I know how to laundry. clean clothes. I know how to cook. You know what I'm saying? You ain't about to be my maid. You work, you come home. You come home first, I help you out, and I, you know, you start cooking, I come in and help you out. If I'm home first, I start cooking, and uh, you help me out. You know, it was never like this is your role and this is what you need to do. So he showed me in the way that he handled our household that a man is not just subjected to working, coming home, and putting up his feet. You know, it's it's to create a team with whoever it is that you decide to make your life partner and your wife. So my my role in the um. And when it came to, like, dealing with black men, it was like, you know what, like, um, like don't put me in the box, you know, when it comes to dating. Like, you know, you, you, you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that. But, you know, we're, we're a team. Let's build this thing together. Like, my parents had, like I was just saying the other day, like, we lived in Wayne in a one-bedroom apartment. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was me, my sister, my dad, and my mom in a one-bedroom apartment. And they bought a house when I was two years old. And they struggled for a long time. So, Patty, you talked about gender roles and just how, you know, um, men, and, men and women put each other in a gender role. Like, okay, let's say, Fish, you said that, the, you know, about the woman, the, how men put women in gender roles, but women mm-hmm. also put men in gender roles, mm-hmm. too. Like, you know what I'm saying? I can't take out the garbage. I can't do mm-hmm. this. I can't do that. Um, Ted, you're a married man. Yes. Correct? Yeah. And how do, how does the roles in which you guys play in each other's lives mirror what you saw or and or how did you learn mm. the roles? Okay. So, again, I don't know if you remember me saying earlier. So, I didn't grow up with my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a house full of women. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost my mom when I was 10. So, I was raised by my grandmother and my aunt. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, my grandmother always had the belief that you can't, a woman can't teach a man how to be a man. Mm-hmm. So my grandmother had me in Boy Scout. She had me in karate. Mm-hmm. She had me in church. You name it. Anything right. pertaining mm-hmm. to getting my behind out the house and not being around all these females, she tried to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, um, when I would be around my, my aunt, she would say, you know, well, when you get a girl, you know, you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do that. Right. So it, come, it came to a point when I, when I met Claudia and, you know, we started courting. We started dating and, and eventually got married. We discuss roles. We mm-hmm. discuss, you know, well, who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? But at the end of the day, I knew how to cook since I was 12. Mm-hmm. I knew how to do laundry. I knew how to wash dishes. When I scrub my kitchen floors, Claudia could tell you, I don't use a mop. Mm-hmm. I use a brush. I get mm-hmm. on my hands and knees and, and, and clean mm-hmm. my kitchen floor. Mm-hmm. But that's something I was taught. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, in society in society standards, that might, you know, somebody be like, oh, that's hands mm-hmm. and knees. Like, mm-hmm. that, what the hell are you mm-hmm. doing? Right. But to each their own. But that's how I was raised. That's how I was taught. Mm-hmm. So now being married, it's nothing for me to bust down a, a load of laundry. It's nothing mm-hmm. for me to do dishes. It's nothing for me to make some lamb chops. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I, I don't I, like like Patty said. You know, it's it's a team. It's a team effort. However, I didn't grow grow up seeing that. Mm-hmm. But it was something that I learned. It's something that mm-hmm. I was able to have a conversation about with her, with Claudia as well. So. Um, that's what kind of helped me. I don't know. Is it kind of the same for you and Brandon? or? Well, Ted, for me, I believe that there were things that I saw that I picked up. And I think that sometimes when you see something, you you either say, like, for instance, I read a, uh, was reading uh, Michelle Obama's Becoming book, and I was actually reading pieces of it today. And she said something so powerful. She said that I wanted to be everything my mother was, at the same time, not be nothing she was. Wow. And I was like, Jesus. And it's like, for mm-hmm. me, I feel like that takes wisdom. Mm-hmm. Because what we do with what we were given that we think is bad, like, for instance, you felt like you was raised and you wasn't raised right. Oh, I'm giving my kids everything they want. That's not right either. Right. You have to be able to eat the meat and spit out the bones. And understand that, dude, you eating the meat and the bones if you do it this way. Or you only eating the bones because you choose to not use a certain level of wisdom. Like, so for me, I felt like I did the same thing with what I said about how I felt about men and how I understood them and their complexities, that seeing pieces of it and gathering that up as my conceptual understanding of who they are with how I function in my household. That, I say, for instance, cleaning. There are, there are elements of cleaning that I know I got from um, this woman. Like, I know it for sure. Uh, there were, they, growing up, it was like I hated it, but I know that the way in which I cleaned had everything to do with that. But then there was cooking where I never stayed in the house long enough to learn anything tangible. But then later on, I began to watch cooking videos. Because I'm going to be honest with you, the only reason I learned how to cook because I thought Brendan, when we started dating, was much bigger than what he is. And I was like, you know, he's a bigger guy. So I'm going to I'm going to pursue him. And in doing so, he goes to church, too. And, you know, they fry chicken and they do collard greens. So I have to really learn how to cook, y'all. So I started watching videos. But what I do in the videos is I don't I take I eat the meat and I spit out the bones. I don't feel like a lot of videos are seasoned well. So I season the way I want to season. I put those two elements together and it comes out to be something. You know, so you, mm-hmm. you, you, t- you take these pieces that are, okay, we're raising kids. Okay, I already um, told uh, the audience that I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm not going to take every single thing that I deemed bad because I, because here's the thing. Do you deem it bad at 30 or do you deem it bad at 15? Mm-hmm. You have to take that into context. Do not make no decisions about who you are, how you're going to be. What type of parent you gonna be at no nineteen? Like sus, you don't have no mm-hmm. knowledge, wisdom, right. or experience to say because then, because from nineteen to now, there is a difference of oh yeah, I definitely deserve that beating that day. Um, I um, I'm glad I got it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference, and sometimes we make brash decisions about who we are. And that was another thing that Michelle Obama said in her book was that to ask a child who they're gonna be. 
when they grow up, it's like saying it's infinite. No, like saying it's it's um it's it's uh definitive. Like it's that they it's know so it's mm-hmm. not even and, and that they're gonna become just that. You like if she said who she was gonna become, she could have said she was gonna be a lawyer. But that's not the only element of who we are. So it's like in saying that I'm going to not be a parent, I'm going to be this type of parent at 19 with nothing to go off of makes absolutely no sense. Mm -hmm. So I think that what I did in my household was I took pieces of what worked. And then on top of that, that let's say, for instance, my mother, my father, they were never married. The people who raised me were. But both components of a relationship was not what I wanted and or needed in a relationship that would successfully and healthily Mm. benefit the one that I'm in. Mm. Because sometimes we put ourselves in those places of where mommy was 45 years Mm. ago, where daddy was 65 years ago, where grandpa was 85 years ago, and it doesn't correlate or successfully um, coincide with where we are right now. Because you're working a 10-hour shift because you decided to be a nurse. And he's working a two-hour shift because he's an entrepreneur. That your lives are different than what it was in the in the days of cropping and mm-hmm. being farmers. You understand what I'm saying? So I think that sometimes we we that's what most is most important to take those pieces that are most important to who you're who you are and who you guys are becoming. Because you might live in a condo. You don't got no yard work. Mm-hmm. You might live here, and you ain't you. You, you understand what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? So, in other words, don't put yourself in the box. Yes, don't absolutely. don't categorize. Don't let those experiences categorize mm-hmm. your life or dictate how mm-hmm. you choose to live. Right, right. and don't and also don't leave out mom, teachable moments because of how you felt then. Mm-hmm. That that that's ridiculous because those moments could have taught you something if you begin to see them from the current your current wisdom your current experience those eyes because a lot of times we have bad relationships with people because we see them from what they did 10 years ago but with the 10 years ago experience mm-hmm. if you hear now you're like i really couldn't care less about her eating off of my plate like it just really don't matter to me mm-hmm. but we sit in those places and we stay there because we don't grow up in the experience mm-hmm. yeah. but patty what about you um, I mean, with me, I would say that um, that you know there were different levels of what a man was that my father showed me, but it wasn't something that was developed overnight. Mm-hmm. Like my dad was learning these things on what a man was mm-hmm. while he was raising us. You know, my grandfather was a man's man. Like mm-hmm. he didn't. My grandmother didn't have to work; they had their own business. And when he came home, he had breakfast, lunch, dinner ready. His clothes was ironed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? My grandmother made sure she did all of that for him because, you know, he went out and did what he needed to do. They had eight kids. And although oh, that may her. be, you know, you know, and all that may be like, you know what I'm saying? Kudos to him. But, you know, from the outside looking on, also you could be like, yo, that kind of like burnt out my grandmother like she wasn't able to like you know do the things that she probably wanted to do because she was so busy tending to the household Ooh, taking care of the kids. hold on real quick no 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 oh, i will no, finish no real, let me finish because i want to hear wow. about your me. other grandparents patty like how you, does that come compare because i feel like that's another thing it's two sets of grandparents it right is. you got okay and so they're different. you opened up pandora's box <laughs> hey, you got. all right so my mom's parents my dad my grandfather was a cop Mm-hmm. And my grandmother worked at the state hospital. Mm-hmm. So they both were working, mm-hmm. you know. And um, the teamwork thing was something my mother grew up on. Mm-hmm. Because she saw her parents work as a team. Mm-hmm. And they were eight kids, too. Jesus. So my dad came from eight, kids, my <laughs> grandmother <laughs> from eight kids. And they didn't have it like, you know, like my dad and them had it up here. Like they, my grandfather was a cropper. So they like, mm-hmm. and still to this day, he has horses and cows and all that mm-hmm. other stuff. And my, my mother and her siblings had to do those things because, you know, this is how we eat. This is how we're going to live. So that teamwork was built from my mother. So when she came up here, you know, although my father saw my grandmother, um, have the the meal ready for my grandfather. He didn't want that for my mother. 
he wanted them to like this is a team thing. Like I'm not gonna tell you you need to do this, you need mm-hmm. to do that. We're we're gonna work together. You know what I'm saying? And that doesn't take away from who my grandfather was because maybe that's what he thought a man was. Like right, let right. me do what I need to do and yeah. provide for my family, and you got to do what you do to do. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But they used both of those experiences. But when it came together in raising us, my um my father's role as a provider, as you know, a nurturer or whatever, it was developed as time. You know, mm-hmm. you know progress so when a man comes into my life I don't want him to um you know put me in the box Mm -hmm. and I don't put him in the box I know that there are certain things that I come to the table with that um and he comes to the table with when we use those things to complement each other and a lot of times those roles often switch off you know when like um it like even even dating now, you know, um, if you go in thinking like from a single point of view, if you go in with a, a, a you know, a preconceived notion of what you're supposed to do, like this is what a man's supposed to be or this is what a woman's supposed right. to be, you block your blessings, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because what you think you need or what you think something's supposed to be can be totally different from what you actually need, mm-hmm. you know. So I that's what I've definitely learned. Like he taught me like, you know, like, nah, like, this is an evolving thing. Right. Wow. It's funny that you said that because it's making me think of, um, actually, next week is going to be 10 years that Claudia and I have actually been together. Oh, um, and this July will be three years that we've been married. <laughs> All right. But yeah. before that, we met in, in Willie P. Shout out to Willie Shout P. Shout out to Willie mm-hmm. P. Um, <laughs> we met in college. Mm-hmm. And as you guys are talking about roles from mm-hmm. the female's perspective, right, mm-hmm. it's making me think of, why I didn't want to date her in the first place. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to date her in the first place because at the time I was, what, 22, 23. Mm-hmm. Um, in my mind, I'm like, I'm still living at home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I ain't got my ish together. I don't have my own. You mm-hmm. know, my money is funny. My credit <laughs> yes. won't get it. Typical, like, you know what I'm saying? Typical man stuff. <laughs> so, you know? but, but from her, it was just like, yo, I'm not with you for your money because you, right. mm, you ain't got spit <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. If but, we're all here, we got these student loans. <laughs> she was like, you ain't got spit now you know we all struggling we all we all you know grinding doing what we have to do mm-hmm. but my I, my idea of my perception of as a man was you know you got to be the provider mm-hmm. you got to you do this you got to do that mm-hmm. and you know got to be tricked out but she didn't want that mm-hmm. she wanted time mm-hmm. she wanted my heart right she wanted me mm-hmm. so those are things that I'm still learning to this day but I think it's a constant mm-hmm. revolving door of, as far as learning and mm-hmm. just right right and you know the crazy thing is that because they put such a, a precedence on a man being a man that can, you know, provide for mm-hmm. me and, 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 you know, make sure I got this and make sure I got that. But they don't put such a precedence on, no, I need you to, to provide for me emotionally. Can you be there for me spiritually? Can mm-hmm. you pray for me? That's what makes a man. Because you could have a job today mm-hmm. and lose it tomorrow. So that means your masculinity goes away with your job? Right. right. No. You know what I'm saying? So, and I think that's the breaking down of, like, it like we put so much, you know, um, such so much pressure on a man or what a man should be, and not realizing like, nah, like mm-hmm. that's actually not even the half. Sometimes in the Patty, box. we put that pressure on ourselves as men, right? Too, right? Absolutely, right. absolutely. We really do, you know. And uh, b- before I really want to get into that piece of like patience and accomplishment, but before we do, uh, Ted, tell us a little bit about your personal. Um, spiritual walk with God and how that has uh, helped you to I guess you can say um, solidify yourself as a man like what has your spiritual life done for you to to put you in a position of helping you to identify as a man I remember one time a few years ago having a conversation with one of my friends um, and I would say he's he's not really a believer but he's spiritual mm-hmm. if that makes mm-hmm. sense right so he had asked me he said what is it about what is it that makes you believe in in God or makes you believe in Christ? Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I said, the things that I've experienced in my life, you can't tell me that there's no God. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in church, and it was I grew up in that era where I didn't want to go to church, but I had no choice mm-hmm. but to go, right. um, because it's like you're not paying any rent in here, so you do as I say. Right. Um, but along the line, even when I became a teenager, I stopped going because it really wasn't forced upon me any, mm-hmm. any longer. But it wasn't until I started um, really getting into college and really started dealing with life and really having mm-hmm. to make those hard decisions mm-hmm. that I'm like, you know what? I can't do this thing called life mm-hmm. on my own. Right. 
Um, and, and then even after losing my mom at such a young age, the amount of people, even to this day, I'll be 34 this year, mm-hmm. even to this day, the amount of women, as far as motherly figures mm-hmm. that are in my life or that played that role, mm-hmm. granted they're not my mom, nobody could ever take that place, but just that love or just that compassion or just that person to, to talk to. So I think for me, it was just, I have to see it sometimes first in mm-hmm. order to believe it, if that makes sense, or in order to follow through with it. Mm-hmm. So even being married now, praying together every morning. Because mm-hmm. why? Prayer prayer helps us. Because right. when I'm weak, mm-hmm. when I'm on my knees, that's when I'm at my strongest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because this thing called life, I, it's bigger than me. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do this this just journey alone. Claudia can't do this journey alone. Mm-hmm. Together, we can do great things. Mm-hmm. But with him, with God, we can do wonders. Mm-hmm. So... For me, it was really, really just having that personal relationship right. with God because, you know, you hear this, you know, it's, it's, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe because you can go to church and, and, and be in the building but not be present. Mm-hmm. It's really just being present and really just being in the moment. And that's one mm-hmm. of the things that that's difficult for me at times is even being in the moment. Like even mm-hmm. when I'm having a conversation with Claudia, <laughs> you know, she'll say something. I'll be like, huh? She'd be like, never mind, you know, yeah, yeah, get that little attitude, jazz. <laughs> um, but no, but really just being present and being mindful mm-hmm. of where I'm at and what it is that I'm doing. Um, that's what helps me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think like having a relationship with God as a man, um, it'll it'll allow you to really love a woman the proper way. You know, um, I think I seen a quote, it was just like a, a woman's heart should be very so much in God should be I may be quoting it wrong but it's basically like in order for him to get her heart he has to go through God to get it you know Mm -hmm. and it's a wonderful thing to you know see a man have a relationship with God because it shows just a level of vulnerability because a lot of times men like with music music so music so child said I was taught the true definition of a man was to never cry work so you die you gotta provide you know what I'm saying and you know, you, it, you'll be surprised at how many men have not cried in a long time or mm-hmm. have not been vulnerable in a long time or have not, like, you know, really expressed their emotions in a long time because they were taught that's not what men do, mm-hmm. you know? And to really be able to do those things, it's difficult, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it puts such a different, like, um, respect level, I think, for women when they're looking at men like, yo, like, if you're able to not only just connect with me physically, like, when we have a sex or whatever, but you're able to be there with me emotionally right. and spiritually, like, if, if I need you to pray for me, like, pray with me, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and that makes such a, a big difference. When it, when you're in a, a marriage and um, even watching, like, Jazz and Brandon um, in their marriage, you know, and how they pray together and how, you know, just, like, they're not just connected on, like, just on certain levels you know some people they come together we work good together you know what i'm saying or you know we save good together you know no we pray good together we we serve good together you know it's all those different aspects and components that actually make you know uh, the marriage work you know so it's a good thing and i and i salute all men who are able to you know just be there for their wives in different capacities i salute you because claudia is a beautiful woman and I salute Brandon because Jazz is she, but she's a beautiful woman. <laughs> she's a beautiful woman as well. So Teddy, before we close this out, um, do you have any final thoughts for any males looking to this episode? Like, man, yo, he really talking right because I could definitely relate to the stuff he's talking about, and I thank him for it. Um, I wish I can have a conversation with him. I would say, don't be af- afraid to challenge yourself. Don't be afraid to take risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't be afraid to move outside of your comfort zone. Um, a lot of times we are familiar creatures, so we go to what's 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 what we're used to, what we're from, what makes us feel good, what makes us feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not how you grow, right. right? You you don't you know you you can't grow if you if you keep doing the same thing. So a lot of times you hear people say, "Oh, I want to do this, I want to do that." But they don't take the necessary steps to necessary steps to get to that or to work right. toward that. Right. You know, a lot of people say, "Oh, I want to get out the hood." Mm-hmm. What you doing to right, get right, out the hood? Right. Or right. you know, I wouldn't mind having a degree. Okay, well, you wouldn't mind having it sounds different than <laughs> I wanted. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, so just 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 really just taking those steps and don't be afraid to 
I think God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Mm. Learn when to shut up. That's good stuff. And learn how to mm. listen. Because a lot of times we we men, young men, mm-hmm. myself, you know, growing up, you think you know it, you think you know it all. Nobody mm-hmm. can't tell you anything. Your your stuff don't stink. Right. But no, learn when to just humble and just just listen mm-hmm. for a minute. You don't necessarily have to comment, but just listen. You know, seek wise counsel, seek seek wise advice. And and one of the things that my pastor tells me, he, two things. He always tells me to stay the course. Mm-hmm. As simple as it sounds, it's hard. Because I mean, stay stay on the path that's that's for you, right? right? And then he always says, um, "A double-minded man is unstable in all his all his ways." Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you can't flip flop. Right. Either you're going to do it, or you're not going to do it. Right. Um, the indecisiveness. So, Ted, before um, Patty gets to mm-hmm. the soul food, how can the folks reach you if they want to get in contact with you or anything you got coming up that you would like to invite the people to? All right. So if you want to get in contact with me, you can, I can be reached at on Instagram. My name is Clutch2013. So that's K L U T C H 2013. Um, if you want to reach out to me by email, it's T underscore P 3RD at yahoo.com. And I'm also on Facebook as well. So if you want to chop it up or if you have, have any questions. All right, guys. First of all, we want to thank Tev for spending time with us, giving us all this wisdom. And, you know, we always close out with a little soul food, a little food for your soul. And my thing is I salute every black man for being a man in this world. You are valued and you are needed in this world. Remember, a man is not solidified as a man by his accolades and the things he accomplishes only. His past doesn't define what he may be, and the very components needed for him to be successful is right inside of him. There isn't a plan laid out for men on what a man should be like there is for women. So it takes men like Ted and Brandon and all these other men that we look up to to pour pour out of them what was poured into them by different influences, whether that was a mom, a aunt, a brother, a pastor, or a line brother, Hmm. you know. So we salute you, black men. We love you, black men, and we need you. It's good stuff. Wow. So as you guys all know, we have the question of the day, and you can answer this question on our closed Facebook group designed specifically with with you you in mind. mind. So we asked the question about men, and you don't have to be a man to answer this question, but answer the question of, I guess it's a two-part question. Growing up, what ideals helped you to form your thoughts on what a man was? And now, with the wisdom that you have, the experiences that you've gone through, what are where are you now in identifying what a man is? Okay, I'll say that again. Growing up, what ideals helped you to form your thoughts on what a man was? And now, with the wisdom experience that you have, what helps you to keep your ideas of what a man is thank you guys for tuning in you have tuned into yet another episode of eat with her don't compete with her and it's your girl jazz and it's your girl patty and it's ted we out (laughs) we out